You're listening to Campus Review Radio. Hi, I'm Wayne Zaglis, Education Editor for Campus Review. While COVID-19 has resulted in a horrific health crisis in particular parts of Australia, there is growing anxiety in young people about what this pandemic will mean for their futures. Considering employment was bad for young people before the wrecking ball of COVID-19 started swinging, will a vaccine in the near future necessarily change their lives? To talk about this more, Campus Review is speaking to Peter Kelly, a professor in the School of Education at RMIT University. He is the head of UNESCO, a Univoc Centre at RMIT, where he leads a program of research on COVID-19 and young people's wellbeing and education. Professor Kelly, you've predicted some grim outcomes for young people due to the impact of COVID-19. Can you talk a bit about that? Uh, good morning, Wade. Thanks uh, for inviting me on to the podcast. Um, it's sometimes really difficult, particularly if you're living in Melbourne at the moment and we're three weeks into uh, a fairly hard lockdown and uh, not much sense of when we're coming out of that or how we'll come out of that to, to actually be optimistic about the futures for young people, uh, whether that's short-term futures or more medium and longer-term futures. So what we're thinking of and, and talking about and trying to um, do some research on at the moment is the uh, sorts of projections that we can make into uh, the future given what we know about um, some more recent crises for instance um, and we have some historical evidence from the global financial crisis of 2008 and 2009 and the sorts of last decade uh, that followed that for many young people as they tried to transition out of school and into work and you know there's a recent productivity commission report that looked at uh, the significant income um, drops for that generation who, who turned 30 at um, the end of last year and uh, the impact of the global financial crisis on their income and employment opportunities in that decade. So there's strong historical evidence that young people uh, tend to carry a fairly significant burden in the downstream effects of each crisis. And at the moment, we're in the middle of a, the health crisis uh, dimension of uh, the COVID pandemic and young people are less impacted in uh, some respects um, than other parts of the population by the, the virus itself. Although um, we do know that young people can get very sick uh, as a result of that. But what in, in terms of the educational, the employment, the other economic and social consequences of the crisis is really impacting young people in in disproportionate ways, largely because of the sorts of work that young people uh, do and the sorts of industries and industry sectors that they work in and the impacts of the shutdown sure. and various various phases of the shutdown on those sectors. So um, at this point in time, it's really difficult to be optimistic. Um, <laughs> And um, we are doing research at the moment to try and think about what those possible futures look like for young people uh, in terms of in terms of their education and training and employment pathways, but also in terms of their current, uh, if you like, states of 
health and well-being, their, their levels of anxiety or uncertainty or, or distress about what they imagine their futures to be in, in this context of profound uncertainty. No, I know it's difficult to be optimistic uh, about that, um, I, and I might be speaking outside of your area here, but are you optimistic of a vaccine being available in the next few months? And do you think that would immediately improve young people's lives, or do you think that the, the economy will still take some time to rebuild itself and, and, and this could yeah, yeah. go on for quite a while? So, you know... Uh, commenting on a vaccine is outside my area of expertise, um, so I can't say whether I'm optimistic about a vaccine in the next few months or so, but lots of other people who have expertise in that field are saying there are some good signs about the possibility of uh, a vaccine being developed and you, know, you can talk to people about whether the vaccine will be effective and whether we'll need it every year like a flu uh, vaccine and, and those sorts of things. And again, whether that's available uh, even before the middle or late next year, but you have, you know, people um, like um, Alan Joyce from Qantas saying that there'll be no international travel, for instance, for Qantas until the middle of next year at least. So the short and medium term is still really uh, profoundly uncertain. And even beyond that, uh, what the new normal will look like in terms of the economy, uh, in terms of those industrial sectors or industry sectors where young people uh, tend to be employed, particularly while they're still at school or at university and they're looking for part-time work. And again, when when they leave um, school or university and they're looking for full-time work, we know, and your, indicate, your introduction pointed to the fact that uh, young people have uh, had a pretty grim employment outlook for uh, quite a while. And I think one of the things that we're interested in, in talking about in this context is those populations of young people who are already vulnerable, who are already in danger or at risk of being disengaged, of not being uh, engaged in, in education or further education, whether that's TAFE or university or not in the, in the labour market or are on the edges of education and training are on the edges of the labour market and are you know, getting by barely. Uh, there'll be some parts of the, the youth population who will be resilient, will bounce back, will have the support networks and the resources and, and family connections that will help them in, in that um, recovery, if you like. Um, but there are significant numbers of young people who are were disengaged, have become disengaged, don't have really cool internet resources to you know make the online yeah. uh, learning experience as good as being face to face. Um, and and coupled with that is just that un anxiety and and uncertainty about what the future looks like, whether that future is you know at the end of this year and they're looking at a university place or a TAFE place or when they can return to work or what job will be available when they do return to work. So, you know, in the project that we're doing at the moment in Melbourne's in the northern suburbs with um, a network that works with young people in that context, the inner north, 
local learning and employment network, one of the things that we're finding is that the mental health services for young people in that particular area are dealing with double the caseload prior that they were dealing with prior to COVID. So that those mental health issues that range from uncertainty, anxiety, feeling isolated, uh, not having um, connections to people in the ways that they might have pre-COVID. Um, there are particular populations who, of young people who are risking these circumstances. And I think that's one of the things that we're interested in. There will always be young people who are resilient and will bounce back. Mm-hmm. But there's significant numbers of young people, and that could be from uh, migrant and refugee communities. It could be from an Aboriginal or Indigenous background. Um, it could be, um, you know, young people in the outer suburbs who are isolated, um, who have particular difficulty in accessing employment opportunities and, and services anyway. And so I think what the pandemic has revealed are those existing fault lines in our society, those existing inequalities. And they've amplified them. They've amplified them. They've they've turned those things up um, to 10 or 11 on the scale. So Mm -hmm. in that context, you know, trying to think about what a new normal looks like, um, what, you know, our project is is looking at uh, trying to imagine the world in 2025, scenario planning for 2025, so that we can imagine the worst case scenario through to the best case scenario and then plan services, partnerships, collaborations, opportunities in a particular part of Melbourne because we're looking at a a place-based response to this pandemic in in this project. Um, You know, there's global dimensions, there's national dimensions, there's state-based dimensions, but young people live in places. That's where their opportunities are. So one of the things that we're looking at is trying to imagine how organisations... schools, businesses in localities can respond to the needs of young people in those localities because in different places there will be different needs, there will be different opportunities, there will be different um, challenges. I can hardly imagine what the mental toll would be on people living in Melbourne at the moment, but I think it would have to be far worse if I were a teenager considering... All these uh, things to do with year 12 coming out, like, you know, know, the formals, the graduations, you know, the rites of passage, um, and, you know, the stresses uh, that their families might be coming through, uh, um, might be experiencing. Um, You have told me about some data, but is there any other data that points to young people's mental health uh, condition right now, either yeah, in yeah, Melbourne yeah. or in or across yeah, yeah. Australia. Yeah, um, you know, and there's uh, a number of national bodies and, and state-based bodies, uh, Headspace, Origin, uh, those sorts of agencies that provide services for young people who are reporting uh, significant increases in demand. And I think one of the the things that we've got to think about it here is what we're thinking about when we talk about health and well-being, what we talk about when we talk about mental health and well-being. Yeah. And often there's a sense that it, it has to be a mental illness over a long period of time for it to be a concern. 
Um, sure. But what what we're trying to, particularly if we're talking about pathways into education and training and employment, and what we're trying to think about and work through and, and do research on here is the ways in which a general sense of health and well-being underpins all of that so that you, uh, as a young person, feel more engaged, feel more motivated, feel more uh, positive, more hopeful uh, if you had that um, general state of health and well-being that enables you to do that. But you're in a, in a context of profound uncertainty uh, in terms of plans you may have been making, plans that were just emerging for you in terms of what you thought you might do with your life. Um, the, the sense that you don't know whether you'll be back in a classroom this year because schools in Melbourne are, are back onto virtual learning. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so these ideas of from, from really low level anxiety that is present in your life all the time at this point in time uh, through to, to much more profound levels of, of mental uh, health illness and, and, and challenges. I think we need to factor those into the conversations. With One of the things that we're finding and, and one of the things that we're concerned about is that the focus of government at many levels at this point in time just seems to be on skills. It's all, all the talk about the new normal and recovery is about skills and young people need skills to get jobs mm-hmm. as if young people don't have skills, uh, as <laughs> if there are jobs waiting for them if only they had the skills. Um, and what seems to be missing from that including all that stuff that there are no jobs at this point in time for, young, for lots of young people and, and for the next maybe two, three, four, five years we might have a significant recession. There's a uh, What's missing is that sense of well-being that underpins all of that and the challenges that the pandemic and the crisis are posing to young people's general sense of well-being and for some young people that will be a significant uh, impact on their mental health and well-being and I think we need to be able to include that in the conversation as we go forward in a significant way that we in some respects have to recognise that this is both a health crisis and an economic crisis and maybe a crisis for employment and education but it's also for lots of people an existential crisis you know what does life look like mm. after a crisis like this um, everybody's pinning their hopes on a vaccine <laughs> so that we can get back to normal. Um, but you know, until that happens, until we know what it looks like, there's this sense that maybe we're just going to be on a roller coaster of opening up, closing down, opening up, closing down, and what that means for you know living a life in, in that new normal is really troubling for lots of people, young and old. But I, I think particularly for young people who you know, year 10, 11, 12 and beyond, uh, you know, mapping out the next part of what their life is. That's, if you like, the story of education. You get to year 10, 11 and 12 and you set yourself up for the next stage of your life. Um, that story's been, I think, profoundly troubled, <laughs> unsettled at the moment and it's possibly a story that uh, is open-ended. Um, and in some respects, it used to be that you could be what you want to be. That was a, a part of that story. You work hard, you study hard, you can do whatever you want to do. Um, 
And that story, I think, has been profoundly troubled at this point in time, and there's not a new story to replace it at this time. Yes, and also, if you uh, work hard, uh, you'll achieve all those things that you know we take as promises, like uh, getting your own house, maybe having a family. Yep. Yeah, yep. there is so, a lot those, of uncertainty. Those things, those things that mark an adult life, you know, independence, yep. autonomy, relationships, family, household. Um, and and they have been, you know, as your introduction pointed out, those things about home ownership, about job security, were in in flux prior to the pandemic for lots of young people. The dream of home home ownership, secure employment, something other than a gig gig job in a precarious industry. Um, now, again, there's upside for, for some young people in those things, but those securities and uncertainties were already there and they've been amplified in the context of the crisis. Well, Professor Peter Kelly from RMIT, thank you for speaking to Campus Review today. Uh, thank you, Wade.